Janine of Keeping It Real with Janine, and I'm in sunny Baja, the arm of Mexico, for a little winter break with my sister. And we're sitting outside with Caitlin Aguero. I tried her float tank the other day, and it was wonderful, so relaxing, and so just awesome. She has the Baja Bliss Spa in Pescadero. And we just clicked. I thought she was so delightful, and we decided to have her on the podcast. We, meaning my sister, actually suggested it. <laughs> Welcome, Caitlin. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Great. When I told you that what I love most is hearing people's stories, you said that you love to tell your story. Okay. So right away I thought, ah, this is a girl for my podcast. So let's start with like an overview of what you're currently doing. And then you can share with us your story, and then, because um, I can imagine it's an interesting one that brought you here to Baja, since you grew up in the States. And then we can go more in depth about what you do, how you help people, and all of that. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. Great. So, get going. All right. So, I am the owner of the Baja Bliss Wellness Spa. It is a flotation experience or flotation therapy spa. And I also offer Reiki, reflexology, um, breath work, Thai yoga massage. Mm, you and know, that is actually one of my favorite forms of massage. It is mine too. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'll also do private yoga and meditations at the spa also. Cool. Great. So what brought you here? To Baja. Well, I came to Baja the first time in 2010 mm-hmm. to do my yoga teacher training at Yandara Yoga Institute, okay. which is right down the beach from where you're staying cool. in Cerritos. And it was a 26-day training, and we camped on basically a secluded beach. Nice. And for 26 days, a really healthy, disconnected from internet, all mobile devices, and really immersed ourselves in the world and philosophy and practice of yoga. Mm -hmm. And I did that because I was preparing to leave for the Peace Corps in mainland Mexico. Ah, okay. What made you decide to join the Peace Corps? Oh, the Peace Corps. My great aunt Mary Jane had done the Peace Corps, and I was always very inspired by her. Uh So growing up, I knew I would do it some point in my life. And after I graduated from college Mm -hmm. uh, with my degree in marine biology and had a moment of realizing that it wasn't quite what I really wanted to do with my life, Mm -hmm. I decided that it was time to go into the Peace Corps to get a little bit more experience and learn a little bit more about what I truly wanted to do in my life path. Awesome. So what were you doing in the Peace Corps? What was your... I worked for the Mexican Forestry Department. Mm -hmm. It's called CONAFOR. And I was at a environmental education facility that taught ecotechnias. So we had sustainable buildings, we had um, wood-burning stoves, worm composting, composting toilets, and I worked with those exhibits, but then I also built an organic garden and seed bank, and I would go into the communities and offer presentations to the parents and to the kids in the schools and Mm -hmm. in the communities about how in their own home with very minimal resources, they can grow organically and they can avoid the chemicals and Roundup that is often um, prevalent in the cheaper foods. Right. 
don't get me started on Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> One of my pet peeves, I've done uh, a, several podcast episodes on glyphosate and how oh, it affects our bodies and our soil and our environment. Um, great. So actually, it sounds like where I live. Really? <laughs> it sounds yeah. like my homestead except for the composting, composting toilet. Yeah, well, we have regular amazing. ones, but other than that, mm-hmm. it sounds pretty much the same. Um, okay. So... You how long how many years were you in the Peace Corps? It was two years. Two years, okay. Mm-hmm. And then where'd you go after that? Um, well, I fell in love while I was in the Peace ah. Corps. Ah, I was yes. in mainland Mexico, living in Jalisco, doing my work, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with this little beach town and uh, one of the surf instructors in the beach town. And we decided after I finished the Peace Corps that we would move to Baja. Mm-hmm. We had both been here before because I had been here for the yoga school, the yoga training, and he had been here for other work that he had done. And we had contacts, so we felt like it was a safe place for us to try and launch mm-hmm. into our lives together. So we moved here in 2013, and actually both of us started working at Yandara Yoga. And I was originally working in admin and worked my way up to become one of their teachers. Mm-hmm. And after a few years, though, we realized that we'd like to separate our paths. And we, um, he actually ended up going back to the States, and I decided to stay in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long have you lived here now? Since 2013, so it's five okay. years. Five almost. years. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about, so how did you... Um, I know there was a previous owner yes. um, for your spa. Yeah. How did you get involved with that and decide that was what you wanted to do? So Veronica Joy Penn was the original owner of the Joy of Floating. Mm-hmm. And she fell in love with flotation after a bout of anxiety. And she tried the mm-hmm. flotation tank the First time it relieved her anxiety, she felt so much relief that she invested in a tank for herself. Wow. So, and this was up in um, California near Santa Rosa. Okay. So from there, she moved to Baja and brought the tank down with her and opened the business, The Joy of Floating. And that's where we met when I was working at Yandara, and she opened the business here. Mm-hmm. And after about two years, she decided she wanted to move to mainland Mexico and open a second spa there. So while she was in that process, I managed the spa for her ah. after I left Yandara. Mm-hmm. And once she was all settled in last fall and the business was going well, she asked me if I was interested in buying the business from her. And I told her I certainly was. Cool. Cool. So let's talk a little bit more about flotation and what what it is and, and some of the other, you've talked about anxiety. It can help with mm-hmm. anxiety. Um, what other reasons would somebody want to be in a float tank? Definitely. Well, Basics of, of the flotation therapy or the float tank is it's about 10 inches of water okay. and 1,000 pounds of Epsom salts. Where do you get 1,000 pounds of Epsom salts? <laughs> I thought of that when you told me that before I went in and I thought, wow, that's a lot of Epsom salts. That's a whole lot. Yeah, it's a, we have to buy in bulk and have it shipped in. It's not easily available. Mm-hmm. And so that makes the solution about a 30% salt solution, which is more higher concentration of salt than the Dead Sea. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
it holds you completely buoyant mm-hmm. without effort you'll float and it's a really beautiful experience because all your muscles get to relax because they don't have to fight gravity to mm-hmm. hold ourselves up mm-hmm. about 80% of our energy is used just to hold ourselves up okay mm-hmm. that's a lot of energy it is <laughs> no wonder i like lying down yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice relief so when you lay down into the float tank it you pop right back up and you float buoyantly and the temperature is about your the temperature of your skin mm-hmm. And so it feels nice and cozy in there. And it's magnesium sulfate. So that's what Epsom salts is made out of, magnesium sulfate. And the magnesium is needed in your immune system to help heal, reduce inflammation, and recover from injury. Mm -hmm. That is absorbed into the body, and that's why you'll often feel a relief of pain, a reduction of inflammation when you're floating, or even when you just do an Epsom salt foot bath. Mm -hmm. Um. The benefit to the tank is you're able to close the door and go into this complete darkness that there have also been known as sensory deprivation or isolation tanks. Mm -hmm. And what that darkness allows your body to go into a deep relaxation state because it's blocking any external stimulus into your body and your Mm -hmm. brain. you lose a little bit of sense of your periphery because mm-hmm. it's so warm and the air is very warm and you can melt into this beautiful experience of feeling just present in your entire body, but also totally relieved of your body and mm-hmm. any of the aches and pains mm-hmm. and stresses mm-hmm. and thoughts. So it's a, it's a really, really healing, beautiful experience. I, what I found that was interesting is when I went to move my arms just to put them in a different position to see how it would feel, as I raised my hand out or my arm out of the water, it would just like flop back down because <laughs> the muscles were so relaxed. It was really an interesting, mm-hmm. it just felt totally different. It was pretty cool. And I definitely, my back felt a lot better afterwards. And um, I have this chronic big toe thing from uh, smashing it actually into a, a brick wall. I was, we won't get into how I did that, <laughs> but it's been for years and it gets all jammed up and I have to have it adjusted every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, what did I do? I flexed my toe up really hard and I heard some cracking and then I, I, I flexed it back down and it, whatever, cause it had started hurting and it's been like perfect since oh, then. Amazing. And I thought, well, that's interesting. My toe. <laughs> you know, I was expecting more from my back than my toe, but right. um, yeah, it was. It feels really good now. It, it's it's not all jammed up. So that's yeah, perfect. it's pretty cool. So, do you have any anecdotal kinds of stories of things that that you or 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 your clients have experienced as benefits? Actually, I do. I cool. recently had a personal experience okay. with the float tank. Um, I teach about eight yoga classes a week and I do anywhere from five to 15 massages in a week. So I was working a little bit too hard and wore out my wrists and Mm. slightly injured my low back and to the point that I was having trouble walking. So it might have been a little bit more than slightly. I was going to say that sounds a little (laughs) more than a slight injury. But I decided that I've got this wonderful healing technique 
at my fingertips, available 24 hours a day to me. So I would get in the tank about three or four times a week. And it helped me, it immediately helped my wrist. Cool. After the second session, I could feel basically no pain in mm -hmm. my wrists and my thumbs. Um, my back was relieved, but mm -hmm. it wasn't fixed. Mm -hmm. um, after the... I think fifth or sixth session, I felt like my back was comfortable. Oh, right. And so within two weeks, and this is without doing much of other, I really didn't want to get massaged because I didn't know what was going on mm -hmm. in there and it mm -hmm. made me nervous to have my tissues manipulated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and make it worse possibly. Mm -hmm. You didn't get any adjustment or anything like that? I didn't do an adjustment. I did go to a... Um, Acupuncturist. I had okay. acupuncture mm -hmm. once, mm -hmm. and that helped definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer in acupuncture, and I think the combination of the effects really, really helped. I've always been a fan of the multi-pronged approach. Uh -huh. There's no reason to just do one thing. Definitely. I know sometimes people will say, "Well, how do you know what's working?" I don't really care uh -huh. as long as it's working. Exactly. And I, I feel personally that when you combine methodologies and do different things because there are you know every technique is is different and and has different effects that you can heal a lot faster totally i completely agree um the float tank you absorb magnesium from it and some people may say well why don't i just take a magnesium supplement the amount that you absorb in the float tank is much greater than a, a magnesium supplement the compound effect of all the relaxation mm -hmm. in your body helps you to absorb even more and the magnesium in the tank is more bioavailable so your body is actually able to use everything it absorbs rather than taking it into a supplement you don't absorb everything so between that and then acupuncture for example totally can pinpoint the exact place mm -hmm. where you're having a problem mm -hmm. it's very um, acute it's mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. reach whereas the funk tank is much more broad and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can reach your head to toe but maybe doesn't have that significant power of reaching right into where you need it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool i'm just going to check my little notes here um oh you wrote down that your high school boyfriend got you into buddhism mm -hmm. and that you minored in eastern religious studies right. so how has that all informed where you're at now and what right. are you doing? So I was saying before that I kind of went down this road after I graduated from college and with my degree in marine biology and worked a little bit in marine biology and realized that I didn't want to be in a lab staring at a computer for mm. the rest of my life or at least the next 10 years before I got a better job. Did you have visions of like playing with dolphins. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was never a I dolphin girl. I was never a dolphin girl. I had visions of playing with sharks. Ah, okay. um, and I did that for a little while, but it, it, there was a, a give and take. There are definitely pros and cons. And um, I realized that I would either need to go back and get a master's or doctorate degree mm -hmm. in school mm -hmm. or wait 10 years of experience in the field before I'd be able to really get the job that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't willing at that point to sacrifice 10 years of my life. And I didn't want to go back to school. I had just gotten out and I really wanted to live life. <laughs> right. So that's when I decided to do the Peace Corps. And I had minored in Eastern Religious Studies because... 
um, my high school boyfriend introduced me to Buddhism and oh. it really sent really hmm, felt genuine mm-hmm. and felt like a guide, an actual guide in my life that I could read a book and think about um, clearing my mind and having the control to over my mind and my thoughts Mm -hmm. to find a center of peace Mm -hmm. within myself. Mm -hmm. And in college, I wanted to learn more about that. So I really launched into a study of it with my minor, and it helped balance all the science mind Mm -hmm. of marine Mm -hmm. biology. A little right brain to balance the left brain. Uh Awesome. Exactly. And then when I joined the Peace Corps, I wanted to get my yoga teacher training so that I would be able to practice on my own Mm -hmm. during those two years and have that tool really ingrained in my body and in my habits. It really, you know, Mexico is just such a beautiful, beautiful country and it's genuine and authentic and raw Mm -hmm. (laughs) in many, many ways. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to leave. So that brought me to the path of coming to Baja and I got in touch with Yandara and my teachers there and they had an opportunity for me and I said yes and decided to take myself down that path, which has been a very, very serendipitous (laughs) path of getting to moments where I say, oh my Lord, what am I doing? Where am I going next? And all of a sudden the perfect opportunity that I never could have imagined appears. Mm -hmm. Veronica calling me and saying, would you be able to manage the spa for me (laughs) while I'm traveling and opening a new spa in Puerto Vallarta? So it's, it's really been a magical journey. It's amazing, isn't it, how that works out when you when you're in the flow, you know, when you're in the flow, when the doors open. And sometimes it's just a matter of timing. Sometimes you just have to be patient because the right opportunity or the right person just hasn't been able to cross your path yet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, you know, when you're open and you're sensitive, you, you just know in your heart and in your gut when something's the right thing, when it just feels like, yes, even though it may be scary, you yeah. just, you know, that it's, important to take that step forward Definitely. and to move in that direction. I Good tend, for you. I tend to feel that big yes, and then shortly afterwards go, what in the world are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Reality kind of hits, and mm-hmm. I have to go through the stress of rationalizing it and figuring it out. And then I get to it, and I almost always go back to the yes path mm-hmm. and look back and say, of course. You know, of course this was the right thing to do. I just had to convince my brain. Well, that's, see, I'm a proponent of not making decisions with your mind because your mind can justify anything, absolutely anything. So if you really look to your heart, your gut, if you if you check in with your body, mm-hmm. like sometimes what I'll say to people is um, lie down and think of something that really um, is something positive that makes you feel good and, and see how your body feels. And then think of something that you know maybe makes you fearful or angry and see how your body feels. Mm -hmm. And then think about this decision you're trying to make. How how does your body feel? Does your body feel open and good and and light or does it feel heavy and contracted? Mm -hmm. And use that as your guide as opposed because your body won't lie. Exactly. But your mind 
your mind can go in a million directions. And I, I just find it so interesting how you're, you really, I think your mind can justify just about anything. Otherwise, why do people do a lot of the things that they do, <laughs> you know, that are really harmful to themselves and other people and, you yeah. know, destructive. And I'm like, wow, somehow they must be able to justify that. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with what you're saying. And you think about all the different perspectives that one one event can happen and everyone that sees it may describe it in a different way. They notice different details or maybe they think someone's, the person was blonde, but the other person thinks they were a brunette. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. There's so many different perspectives that, and I guess our our habits help us to really make those conclusions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, our assumptions and our habits help mm -hmm. us to make those conclusions that are automatic that oftentimes we never stop and think twice about well and i think you know what is it is something really true i mean we mm. we accept so much as being truth and when you really look at it and ask do i really know this to be true is this do I think this is true just because somebody said it was mm -hmm. or because that's how with the beliefs that I grew up with? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's so many things that I think we we accept as as being absolute and being true. And they really aren't. I, I mean, look at how much of science has, you know, it, it's this is the truth. <laughs> and then they find something else mm -hmm. out. And now that's not the truth anymore. And, it you know, it, it's shifted into something else. And that's what I was going to say also about the brain being able to believe anything and take itself in any direction, science can do the same thing. You mm -hmm. can prove in science complete opposites depending on different... What you're looking for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What you're looking for mm -hmm. depending on different models you use, um, tests you use, statistics you use. You can prove whatever you really want. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the brain science has kind of been a... a manifestation of the brain and its mm -hmm. ability to mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. yep i would agree i know um i was just reading an interesting article on something that they've just discovered about the brain mm -hmm. that it's actually innervated by the lymphatic system wow. which was yeah which was unknown before it this is one doctor or researcher said that this was going to change everything that, mm -hmm. and, and that the brain is actually connected to the immune system through the lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. Because this work that Stephen and I have been doing with uh, true wisdom, true immunity, that you can turn the immune system on from one brain to another. Wow. That is, I feel like that is going to help explain because David Flowers knows it works, but he doesn't know how. Mm -hmm. And um, this may be part of the, the, the key to why that actually actually works. Well, and going back to acupuncture and reflexology, when they're working on those acupressure points or acupuncture points, they're along lines of, of the meridians mm -hmm. in the body, which we often refer to as energetic lines, but I've been taught that they're actually lines of hyaluronic acid that runs through our connective tissues mm -hmm. and is part of our lymphatic system. Interesting. All connected oh. together. Wow, that's fascinating. I love this stuff. I do too. I love it. Wow. <laughs> How about if you talk a little bit about the yoga that you do and um, what what type of yoga, first of all, do you teach? So do you do? I teach all types of yoga. Okay. Um, I've learned all types. I've practiced all different types. And I think that every human 
can enter the yoga world wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. They just have to find the right thing for them. Um, Some people may get into the heavy activity of a and and power of a vinyasa class. Okay. Some people may really appreciate the heat of a hot yoga or a Bikram class and that intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people may prefer the more meditative postures and sequencing of a yin yoga class okay or they may really love being totally bolstered and feeling luxurious Mm -hmm. in a restorative class so there's different classes for everyone Mm -hmm. and whatever mood or emotion you need to work with in that moment so that's part of why i offer all different types my favorite classes that i'm teaching right now are a combination of gentle vinyasa mm-hmm. and yoga nidra, mm-hmm. which is a meditation that we do on the ground, all bolstered and blanket, covered up and comfortable. <laughs> so it's not a, a rigid seated meditation, but we get to really totally release mm-hmm. into the earth, mm-hmm. feel that support and drop into the body. Like you were saying to know what's true from the body. Nice. And experience. Nice. So, okay. So let's say, this is good here. So let's say that someone is interested in starting to do some yoga Mm -hmm. and they haven't, Um, but they're used to, um, let's say there's somebody who's used to doing a lot of exercise. They like to, they really like to work out. They like that, that kind of flavor. Mm -hmm. And then someone else, maybe they're more into relaxing and just more stretching and, you know, maybe maybe explain a little bit what the like for the different types of personalities, mm-hmm. what they're looking for, what might be the type of yoga that they would want to check out. Definitely, the person that is really active likes to go to the gym or go to on runs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to build muscle okay. in their body mm-hmm. or really trim up and strengthen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna love classes like power vinyasa. Um, Bikram can be intense with the heat or hot yoga, but it can be pretty powerful and in, in building building strength and endurance. I have a friend who loves it. I'm too mm-hmm. chicken myself, mm-hmm. but she goes, I don't know, two or three times a week. She just, she really loves it. I recommend anytime with, you're trying a new class or your first time trying yoga, mm-hmm. just try it. Do about 50% of your effort, your full effort level, Mm, mm -hmm. because you can really surprise yourself how deep you can go into something and then all of a sudden cause an injury. Mm -hmm. And the last thing we ever want is someone to leave a yoga class saying, no way, I I totally blew out my hip and I'm never going back to yoga again because – it's it's really more of effective an effect of the intensity that you put into the class personally and rather than being mindful and saying okay this is a new pose i've never been in this before how can i play with it mm-hmm. how can mm-hmm. i get into mm-hmm. it without going too far beyond my control nice that's i like that idea of how can i play with it how can i work with it instead mm-hmm. of just Ramming yourself into it and forcing it. Drop your hips. (laughs) You know, I I think a lot of us tend to be perfectionists and, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to do it right and you want to get as much as you can and, you know, really go for it. I, but, and that's 
wonderful because it provides this motivation to get through those challenging moments when it's so intense and it can be really inspiring to get into it and know that you've gotten into it. That was your full expression and it feels really good. Just for your first class, maybe maybe take it a little easy. <laughs> well, and also, you know, it's a little different when you're your age than you're my Completely. age. I can't do quite what I mm -hmm. like. I'm really lucky. I've always been like too flexible and that is serving right. me well now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, still, you know, I can't. I can't do quite what I you know, used to be able to do, even though I'd love to. And sometimes I try. I just, I need to be more careful with myself, and, you know. And the best yogi acknowledges that, or yogini, um, knows where their body's at today. And they work with that. Not where the body was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or even a couple days ago. Or sometimes exactly. you're just, you're stiff because of something you've been doing and, and it, it's, it can be frustrating not to be able to have the flexibility that, you know, like I had just three days ago. You have to meet yourself where you're at. Exactly. Be and, kind. And, yeah. Be kind, be cash, compassionate, love your joints. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then, so that's kind of the intense route. If okay. you're more of an active person, if you're looking for something a little bit slower, Hatha yoga or... Um, Iyengar yoga are good for learning the postures mm -hmm. and taking your time to get into it. The teacher may make adjustments to your body so, or, or verbal cues mm -hmm. to help you find the proper alignment okay. so that you mm -hmm. don't injure yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's you just take more time in it and you get to be curious about the pose and see what it activates when you get into it. And then for someone who's looking for really more meditative quiet time mm -hmm. where they can internalize and process emotions or just process thoughts mm -hmm. even um your the yin yoga and restorative yoga are really wonderful for mm -hmm. they help mm -hmm. you to unwind to relax to just be patient with yourself um and even if the mind's chattering away, it's not that big of a deal. It, that's okay. It can do that. That's what the mind does. Mm -hmm. But we, what we try and cultivate then is a little bit of detachment from that chatter, that feeling of watching the chatter, mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. the witness to the chatter. And in that way, finding the separation, slight, a slight separation, but still knowing that they're both within you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The witness and the the chatter mm -hmm. is the silent witness and the the monkey mind, right. the, the oh. constant chatter mm -hmm. are both within us and we transition from one place to the other. And if you're feeling really stressed out and lost in thought and can't make a decision or whatever the sense may be, transitioning into that witness, that mm -hmm. quiet observer is is a wonderful tool that the practice of doing that is a wonderful tool yes and i have found that the, that the more you practice that you can for me i automatically go into it a lot i just i kind of look at myself and i'm like i can't believe you're doing this <laughs> <laughs> with humor you know mm -hmm. i'm not not mm -hmm. being critical but it's like exactly. wow i exactly. you know um and and i often take sort of the third person or objective point of view and and just kind of watch what i'm doing or watch what i'm thinking and um it, it helps you to, uh, yeah, to not have that hook. Yeah. You know, to be more just objective and just see it as, 
as thoughts or ideas or 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 whatever it is it's it, it without being judgmental mm-hmm. i think Exactly. That's a huge key, not mm-hmm. being judgmental. Mm-hmm. And congratulations for getting <laughs> to that point, because we can all get lost in the perfectionism, right, yes. that you were talking yes. about before, that inner critic that says that you're not doing enough or going deep enough or focused enough. And um, it's it's nice to be able to say, what are you doing? And maybe just keep doing it, but you keep doing it knowing that it's going to be fine. Right. Right. Okay. And it's okay. Wherever you're at is, is really okay mm-hmm. because we set standards for ourselves, And, you know, sometimes they may not be realistic or oftentimes it can be just a way I like to use goals as sort of a way to just motivate myself as opposed to, I have to reach this goal because that always changes, right? Yeah. Your goals always change. So, uh, of having something to reach towards, um, just as, as a motivating factor, but not necessarily that that's where I have to go or that's where I have to be. And if I'm not, um, then there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the idea of it, which I forget often, but I do re- remind myself to look at how far I've come, not yeah. where, not where I want to be, uh-huh. but you know, to really look at, wow, I really have come a long way, Definitely. you know, cause sometimes I feel, I'll feel I can't even think of an example right now, but I, I know it happened recently. And I thought, no, you have to look at how far you've come. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a beautiful practice. <laughs> Congratulations there, too. <laughs> well, you know, so a lot of this comes with age, yeah. <laughs> you know, lifetime of learning. Yeah. and <laughs> I really love being able to hear that, too. Um, I've, I've for a long time felt that I don't know if it's my generation or the North American society in general, mm-hmm. but we've lost a little bit of a respect of our elders mm. and, and the wisdom that's um, contained in that, maybe because the world has sped up so quickly with all of our devices and internet and anything you ever wanted to know right at your fingertips in any second. But there's still this deep wisdom from living a few years on this planet that uh, we really need to hear about and as, mm-hmm. as the younger generations. And we need to be privy to because it helps us. I think it, I think it helps us ground and be more uh, calm and collected in our decision-making and the way we, move ourselves forward and create the next um, expression of our society. Mm -hmm. I think it's the difference between being thoughtful and being reactive. Mm -hmm. And, oh boy, senior moment just went through. I had a thought while you were talking, and of course I did not want to interrupt. Um, Let's see, what was it now? You're talking, oh, so my sense is, you know, our society has gotten, because we're so mobile and, and, you know, people move away from their families mm-hmm. and then, uh, if it's a couple, a spouse, you know, one spouse generally goes before the other and then someone's left alone mm-hmm. and, you know, and there's this whole thing with caregivers and going into nursing homes and it's not. You know, it's not like the extended families where where everyone is is helping. Now, some societies are more like that, 
here in Mexico. But yeah, that's what I, my thought was that it, it was so. more like that. Mm -hmm. But you know, in the states and Canada, it's it's not, and yeah. so people just end up in nursing homes. And oh God, what an awful mm -hmm. thought, know. you know? And and Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, the whole mm -hmm. thing of having to care for the for the elderly. And and um, I was just reading something; it was so adorable, where they brought kittens in um to a long-term care facility that i know it's so sick but where people were really they weren't even talking you know and and they these kittens needed to be hand fed like very frequently to to be able to live and and these elderly patients started talking and interacting and it just brought them out of themselves and you know, just, I mean, something so simple like that. There are so many orphaned animals and uh, animals that could, that could use care and that I'm sure elderly people living in a nursing home would, would love to do. I have a story about that. My uh, grandmother was an absolute beautiful woman. She passed away a few years ago. and My grandfather's been on his own for a little while, and he's still very, very capable mm -hmm. and mobile. He lives in Florida in the winters and then goes back up to Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from. And um, my mom's up there, so he's close with her mm -hmm. in the summer times. And in the winter, he has his life in Florida. And he, his entire life, has hated cats. <laughs> his, I think his grandmother had cats, and they were not the nice ones. Uh -huh. And he was attack not the sweet something. cuddly <laughs> no no and they weren't kittens uh -huh. either so he had some some history with cats and once upon a time i adopted a cat and the story always was you will never bring that cat in my house uh -huh. <laughs> but now he has a cat he just about two weeks ago um, was taking care of one for a friend of his and has decided to adopt the cat and take, awesome. take her into his home and he's absolutely loving it he's told me she snuggles with me she'll she's got all her little sleeping spots all over the house i feed her twice a day he's just so cool. happy with her cool so it's it's really amazing companionship mm -hmm. and something to take care of and yeah I think everybody should have a pet, frankly. That's just my, you know. And it's hard for a lot of people when they're when they're so mobile and all over the place. But, you know, even uh, a lot of cats, they can be trained to wear a harness and be on a leash, you oh, yeah. know, and get used to traveling. You don't have to have a big dog. It can be a small dog that, you know, can travel with you. And uh, as long as it's not yippy. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> There's yeah. a couple where we're staying. I haven't seen them, but all I hear is... <laughs> little chihuahuas maybe <laughs> but they are they are there's there's some small dog syndrome that goes on <laughs> around here there's a lot of big dogs that need need homes and roam on the streets and I know I met someone who has a friend who has a shelter somewhere a little north of here a oh, dog, and yeah. he had he had uh her son and uh one of the dogs from the shelter and I just actually fell in love with this little dog Aww. from the shelter she was was it a he or a she? I think it was a he. He was so sweet and just so loving, and he was just adorable. And at, at home, we have friends who have a dog from Akamal. Okay. There, there are a lot of dogs in Akamal. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've heard of other people bringing dogs home from Akamal. 
Yeah. Here uh, we have pesky dogs, which is a center right here in Pescadero mm -hmm. that will help uh, adopt out dogs. They'll take them in and get them healthy. Any dogs that they usually take in dogs that have been injured mm -hmm. and will help them get healthy at the vet and then put them up for for not really for adoption, but I, not necessarily for money. Really, they're just trying to find good homes mm -hmm. for these mm -hmm. dear animals that have lived a little tough Mexican life early on, and they'll fly up. They'll fly all over the country in the U.S. and Canada, and sometimes within Mexico, they'll go to other places mm -hmm. within Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, whenever someone's really so, if need. anyone's looking for a yeah. pet in need, come to Mexico. Yeah. You can easily bring it home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's easy to fall in love. We've had a cat coming to our condo uh, every morning um, for food and love. And, you know, she was real skittish at first, and now she curls up. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah, but, you know, we're oh, leaving. Yeah. But um, I, I know other people have been feeding her, too, you know. We're not the and only ones. And oftentimes, so. especially cats, they don't always put collars on their cats right. here. It yeah. may be someone's cat that just takes a wander every exactly. day. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And somebody else was saying they were – uh, keeping a collar on their cat and then she got caught on something and oh, really yeah. injured her had to take her to the vet and stuff and they're like you know they don't want to they mm -hmm. don't want to uh, have a collar where we are I, my cats are um, uh, Ricky and Lucy they are uh, rescue cats and mm -hmm. they tattooed their ear oh so yeah they've got little green green mm -hmm. numbers in their ears so at you least you know that they belong it. to somebody and mm -hmm. and if they were to get lost or something they could easily be find us that's perfect mm -hmm. it's interesting here they they don't tattoo the ears this is kind of a different practice but i was new to cat ownership mm -hmm. i was, had always been a dog person but fell in love with my little kitty and raised him pretty much like a dog because that's all i'd known <laughs> yeah. and he would follow me he'd come when i called him yeah. he was uh, an adorable cat cats can be very dog-like mm -hmm. people don't realize it's just that about the way you train them yeah. if you get them yeah. from kittens yeah. it's possible but they hear what they'll do is and it, it may sound a little mean, but they'll cut the tip of the ear uh -huh. when they do their operations. Uh -huh. um, so then you know if the stray cat that is rolling around ah. your neighborhood is uh, has had Spade its operation or, or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I didn't know that they do tattoos. Awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Neat. Oh, it's such a beautiful place here. I've really been enjoying the balmy weather now somebody said there's two months that it's like go somewhere else what are the, <laughs> is it september or august and september is yes. that what I, I thought i kind of overheard that yeah and is that because it's so hot or is it rainy or what it's a combination combination of it's the hurricane season ah. uh, the the rains usually will start in july mm -hmm. but they're definitely present in august Mm -hmm. And we may get a hurricane or two come up the coast in September and as late as into early October. Mm -hmm. But we get a lot of rain from the mountains. We have these beautiful mountains that the Sierra La Laguna that runs through the middle of the Baja. Mm -hmm. And clouds form over there in the summertime. And then the rains kind of come down the hill and come down to the beach. And every once in a while we'll get a hurricane that comes up from the south and mm -hmm. brings us rain also. Mm -hmm. So it's very, you think this is balmy. <laughs> that is like you're standing in the shade, you're sitting in the shade, not doing anything, and you're sweating. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and it gets a little buggy that time of year, too, when the when the rains come 
life really blooms here mm. and we're in the desert so all of the plants bloom there's a lot of bird life but there's also a lot of bug life but it's yeah. all a good um, life cycle and it helps the desert stay alive through the winter and i w- we were told the other day um by a gentleman that for that rainy season that's when they grow most of the corn Mm-hmm. Uh, because it grows so fast and they mm-hmm. don't need much in the way of pesticides at all because it grows so fast. And um, mm-hmm. he said that most of the food here really is considered organic because there isn't a lot of pesticides. In most areas, yeah. There's some areas locally that they do use a little bit of Roundup or some fertilizers. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you need fertilizer for, mm-hmm. you know, you need yeah. to, to replenish yes. the soil, but yeah. it's more the pest, you know, the pesticides mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, we have a lot of organic food here. There oh, are, great. There are quite a few. I would, it may, honestly, I don't know the truth, but I would guess it's about 50% of the farmland right around this area mm-hmm. is organic. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, just from the ones that I know and have counted myself. Well, I've been, I've been thrilled with, the food's been so delicious, Mm -hmm. simple and delicious. We were um, on an adventure the other day. Where did we, I think it's, was it Trace, Trace Santos? It's a new hotel. It's way down, you go way, way down. San Cristobal. San Cristobal, that's Mm -hmm. it. And we were looking for something else and we couldn't find it. We thought, oh, let's just turn in here and see what's there. So we Mm -hmm. drove all the way down. There were all of these plantings in Julie asked what it was, and he said that they prepare the land and the farmers grow pineapple. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for, and we couldn't see any pineapple. So he took us over right up next to it and, and showed us the pineapples. And they were wrapped in a cloth. It had been a cold snapping, mm-hmm. so he said they wrapped them. But there was one that looked pretty ripe, and he twisted it off, and he handed it to me. I was, oh, yeah. I was so excited. It's was like, you made my day. Oh, <laughs> and I, it, it, But it was hard. It was yellow, uh-huh. and it was hard. And I thought, well, I wonder if it's ripe. And it was perfect, just the most perfect-looking <laughs> pineapple. So I waited two days, and we cut it open, and oh, my God, it was mm. the most sweet. Mm. You know, sometimes there's like a, a bit of a tang. And yeah. It really, it tasted like a pina colada, and it was just amazing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And the strawberries, and let's see, we had papaya that was awesome. And just even mm-hmm. the bananas for making smoothies. My Definitely. smoothies taste so much better with the bananas here. Certainly. It's it, it's worth it to come down south, anywhere south in the winter, just for a little while, just to have fruit that isn't shipped, yeah. that's that's picked Locally and you're eating it. And, and fresh. And the green beans we've been cooking with these beautiful, long, skinny green beans mm-hmm. that are just so tasty. It's just been it's been wonderful. Yeah, this area specifically is really well known for their chili, uh, poblano chilies mm, and strawberries. Mm-hmm. In Pescadero, in about a month, at, towards the end of April, beginning of May, we have the um, the chili and and strawberry festival. Oh, fun! So it's really well known here. And then we also in Todos Santos have a mango festival. Oh. I think that's it as the way as far as food goes. But so food festivals. How about like where we are? I often say everybody's either a musician or a wannabe musician, uh-huh. and there's all summer there's just music festivals constantly. Right, right. Is there is there much in the way of music around here? Or? Definitely, yep. yeah. Pretty much December, maybe November through May. Every weekend there's music. Mm-hmm. Um, we have salsa nights we have rock nights we have a lot of guitarists that come through town and we'll do acoustic music 
We have a music festival at the beginning of the year called mm-hmm. the Toro Santos Music Festival. Mm-hmm. And that is amazing. We always have wonderful bands come in that are unique and fun and funky and get us all dancing. Mm-hmm. Right now we have the movie festival. Mm-hmm. The Festival de Cine. They're going on in Toro Santos all this weekend. And they've got a lot of documentaries that are Mexican and also a few that are from much more. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. And it seems like there's a lot of I, a lot of English-speaking people. So I, I've definitely. noticed there's a lot of Canadians, a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, are a lot of people decide just to move here? Yes. There's a lot of expats that spend about six, six months out of the year here. They mm-hmm. retire winter here. And build their own homes and it takes a little while to build up your residency and mm-hmm. and be able to stay longer than six months because on a tourist visa you can stay for up to six months okay, okay. um so it takes a little bit of while and and to own your land uh, you have to be a citizen but they work with uh, different titles so that mm. just residents can own their land okay build a home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice there's a lot of airbnbs and rentals too that are really comfortable places to be for a month or two mm-hmm. and get to know the area but there's a sig- very significant population of english speakers a lot of the local mexicans speak a little bit of english mm-hmm. so it's a really good way to get a taste of of um, small town Mexico mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not a big touristy area with resorts and everyone speaking English to you. We have a lot of galleries and craft stores and restaurants. You can either speak English or Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a very creative area. Very. So lots of art, lots of nice little restaurants um very cozy kind of where you really get to know the owner and and you know it's 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 just it's very very friendly it is it's very friendly. friendly and i i'm not sure about the if the mainland is like that but i found the yucatan was like that too i really oh, love it? the yucatan yeah mm-hmm. and this reminds me kind of of the same kind of ambiance and friendly people and you know that that the yucatan has too there's as much as this isn't a resort town, mm-hmm. uh, this is a touristy area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone really appreciates the tourists and welcomes them and wants them to be here. No one, you won't find people being rude and no, mad not at, at you all. for not speaking Spanish. Um, although every little word that you try to say in yeah, Spanish makes it's appreciated. them smile. It, yes, and, it's very appreciated. I and know. they love I've been, to practice their English, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I've been having interesting Spanish-English conversations <laughs> with people whose English is maybe a little better than my Spanish. I used to be fluent a long time ago, but, but I was also fluent in French, and I spoke oh, yeah. more French. And I did it today. The Lupita at the pool, she, we said hi, and she said, ¿Cómo está? And I answered her in French. I'm like, ah, oh, I just, it just automatically comes mm-hmm. out of my mouth. I definitely want to work more on my Spanish. So next time I come down, I, I'm more fluent because I, I like being able to speak the language of where I'm at. It's, you know? n- it's nice. It's a really kind 
action to show that you care that you're in their country you're attempting to speak their yeah, at language least just and, try you know yeah. and, and and just just um like we had a, a gas leak we could smell gas yeah and so um we you know went to the management and they the maintenance guy came and um i had to get on my computer and, and type in the words i want with the spanish you know the spanish mm-hmm. so i could talk to him because it's not in your daily daily conversation. Uh, So, because I wasn't sure what some of the words were, so I'm quickly, you know, typing in uh, what, I forget what, oh, empty, you know, Uh, I want to know if the tank was empty, empty empty in Spanish, and then, you know, what's wrong and all this. It was pretty funny, but at least I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah, good job for taking that on. Well, and then the website that I was on, it said um, you could sign up and get uh, learn a Spanish word a day. Oh, so yeah. you could learn a new word today, mm-hmm. uh, every day. So I signed up for that. So I, why not? And they do Spanish classes in Todos Santos. Here in Pescadero also, they do about two or three times a week, they do Spanish mm-hmm. classes. Mm-hmm. So you can come here maybe the next time and you can choose the level that you want to take and learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be able to try. I, people do appreciate it when you try to speak their language. Really I know people have always said the French are snobs and Honestly, I've never ever found that no, uh, living there, and it's because I think it's because I I do my best to speak the language, and sometimes they'll just end up speaking English because we're not doing that right. well. But people appreciate that, and exactly. I've never found I've never you know my family lived in France and in Geneva, and so I used to go all, back and forth all the time when I was in college. And I never found anybody to be rude. Right. And I've heard Americans say that all the time. And I want to say to them, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I have a cute story for okay. you. So I'm an American. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and then lived in Florida. I've lived in Mexico for about seven years now. And it was part of me joining the Peace Corps. It was always a goal of mine to speak Spanish fluently. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to go to a Spanish-speaking country. And... So I was able to achieve that in living in a small town in mainland Mexico. But I was confused very often for Canadian, for being mm. Canadian. But they, they say, but you speak Spanish so well. <laughs> and you're so nice. <laughs> and I'd say, yes, I know. I grew up close to Canada. <laughs> but there is that... Um, a little bit of a stigma, I think, mm-hmm. against yeah. Americans because they tend to expect you to speak English, and um, not everyone's like that. Right. And you know, trying to. A lot of my Canadian friends are dual citizens, and when they travel, they use their Canadian passport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I probably would too. <laughs> Especially with what's going on right now, we don't need to get into. Yeah, politics no, we don't much. need to get into politics. Oh my gosh, that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so much fun. It has been wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad that we decided I to know. do that. So is there anything that you would like to end with or, you know, leave mm-hmm. our listeners with? Well, first of all, if somebody wanted to come down to Baja yeah. and and they'd like to see you um, use the float tank or, you know, just they mm-hmm. feel like they know you a little bit now and they yeah. want to get together, how would somebody uh, get a hold of you? Well, I would love to welcome anyone coming down. Everyone is always welcome, especially at the Baja Bliss Spa. And you can find me on Facebook. That might be a great way That's to start. Mm-hmm. Is on Facebook. My name is Caitlin Aguero. Or you how do you spell Aguero? A G U E R O. Okay, and Caitlin's with a C. With a C, yeah, mm-hmm. traditional C A I T L I N. Or you can look for the Live in Bliss Yoga site, which is my original 
website. Okay. Liveinblissyoga.com. Okay. And we'll have all that on the website too. Perfect. Great. Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much. You're very welcome. Really, it's it been so to much meet fun. You. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. I know synchronicity. I love it. Exactly. It is what it is. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Caitlin Aguero. Do you have one or two friends who would benefit from listening to Caitlin? Please share the love. It's my joy to be able to have interesting conversations with people who have information and perspectives that can enrich our lives, and your help in getting the word out is greatly appreciated. The podcast website is www.realjanine.com, and remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. You will find pictures of my guests, show notes, links to their websites, and the opportunity to listen or download episodes and sign up for my email list, which comes out twice a month and always includes a recipe. You can subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. I love alliterations. Do you have a minute to leave a rating and a short review? That would be awesome. Take care and be well.